Social Security, you can have over a $100,000 swing on one spouse's Social Security decision when you look at it over a 30-year cycle. And if, if you're talking about two, now you're talking probably a potential $200,000 for maybe making the wrong decision there. And so it's just decisions like that, the pension and everything else that really can add up to making a big difference over 30 years. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome back in to All Things Retirement. I'm Ben George, joined as always by Anthony Alpha. He's a certified financial planner. He's the founder over at Cardinal Wealth Group. Their office is right there in Cherry Hill, and they're serving the South Jersey, Philly, surrounding areas. You'll find them online at cardinalwg.com. Anthony, what's going on? Just getting ready for turkey time here. Turkey time. So, yep. Um, so we'll see. My uh, my wife, Dana, is uh, going at it for attempt number two for, <laughs> uh, from last year. So my mom has typically been the, uh, the go-to there, and so we got Dana. Giving it a shot this time, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, cross the fingers, not too dry, um, but <laughs> it's not easy. I know yep. it's not easy, So, but good thing is there's plenty of other options if that happens. So, How, how, does, uh, how does Rosie, you think she, you're looking forward to seeing how she enjoys the holidays this year? I think that this will be a big one. Like you, our, our kids are pretty close in age. Yeah. This one, she's definitely going to be a lot more aware of presents and... You know, last year she kind of started to master the the process of opening gifts quickly <laughs> uh, and getting down, ripping out the, the wrapping paper. So I think this one is going to be a, a real fun one for us, uh, for sure. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it as well. So hopefully you all are gearing up for a good holiday season. If you're listening to this some other time of the year, well, hopefully... Uh You'll be looking forward to one later on in the year, whenever that is. But we do appreciate you joining the podcast today. Uh, we're glad to have you here on All Things Retirement. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. And again, you'll find everything online that we do at cardinalwg.com. Uh, as always, the Cardinal Wealth Core is to educate, enlighten, and empower. And we think today's episode will do that once again, as we're going to kind of carry on our conversation from our last episode. If if you missed it, uh, it's not required listening to, to know what we're talking about today, but We are getting into more of the fulfillment for people in retirement and some of the non-financial things that that you have on the list to kind of check off and get into order for retirement, Anthony. We thought it'd be a good idea to kind of go through the hierarchy of needs, maybe kind of look at it from like a pyramid perspective and kind of lay out the foundation and then work up from there. No, I think that makes a ton of sense. And we, we talked about it, like you said, at the previous episode, a little bit about the human side of of planning the non kind of the non financial, if you will, and mm-hmm. and what's most important from a you know the basic you know food, clothing, shelter, and family and social stability, and then that sense of belonging and self esteem, confidence, achievement, and self actualization, kind of working in the, that type of priority of order, almost is identical to really in some ways being able to set it up from a a needs and wants and and wishes type of pyramid, if you will. And these are things that you can certainly Google Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can Google uh, needs, wants, and wishes, uh, retirement pyramid, something along that, and that will certainly come up for you easily. Yeah, and I think we oftentimes use pyramids to help us kind of understand things better. I mean, I even think back to when we were 
children, you know, looking at like what we should be eating every day, right? You know, you <laughs> have like the bottom layer of the the vegetables that you need to be eating and fruits and, you know, it works up from there. But very, very much in the same sense, we're going to go through that today and, and kind of talk about this retirement pyramid, so to speak, and, and the different levels that make up that. So as you kind of, you kind of previewed a little bit, but on our, on our list today are those needs, wants, and wishes, right? Those are the three things that really make this up. Yeah, I think that'd be the easiest or an easy way to break it down. And in that needs, again, it's it's really up to the individual to determine what is really a need. Like Netflix can be a need, um, HBO and, and travel, these things can be needs. It, it It's what is really, really important to yourself. And there can be, like we said on the last episode, travel could be one of those where it falls into that need category for, and then also into the wants where you might have some goal of some much bigger types of travel vacations that cost more or that you're doing every other year. And so with needs, generally what we want to do is match that up to your most, from a financial planning standpoint, your most, we'll call them guaranteed income sources or the most secure ones first. I, I think even rationally speaking, most people don't want to have to rely totally on their investment account to you know, pay their mortgage. So um, starting with really pension, if you have one, and social security, and kind of understanding how much of that is covering your overall needs coming in. Those are probably the two most popular guaranteed income sources. And that is where you would want to start. Other things that might play a role in that need category is if you still are working or have some part-time work or one spouse working for a period of time. And if maybe you have some real estate income, that could also be another guaranteed income source. That would probably be overall the the main ones that we want to start with. And some people also might have like uh, uh, an income annuity that has some type of income uh, payout for life type of thing. And so we, we would start with those sources and understand how much of that covers your your needs and whatever falls into that need category is um, something that really the individual will dictate and for some sometimes the guaranteed income sources are more than enough and they cover 100 percent or more than what's needed coming in we have some people who have two pensions two social securities that's paying them a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year and they really only need they need less than that um, that's not the case with most people. A lot of times, you know, with most people not having a pension today, they just have social security, maybe some real estate income or, or annuity, but usually they're in that 50 to 60% where the social security is covering up, you know, the, about half of it. So now we have to figure out how to provide some type of additional stable income. And that's where we'll, you know, drift over to their nest egg. And instead of kind of keeping their nest egg maybe the same for everything, we might break off a, a lump sum amount out of their nest egg and have a more predictable income stream to help meet their their needs. And so we might do like a bond ladder. So a bond ladder would just basically buy enough bonds to provide a fixed interest coming in over your say 30 year retirement, you might buy 
10 years worth. And then as the interest comes due and, or as the principal comes due, then you take the principal and you buy, you know, a bond on the, the back end of it. So you'd buy an 11 year bond. And then the next year you do, an, excuse me, a 10 year bond. And then you do, an, you know, and you keep kind of adding to the back end of a ladder or some people will buy basically 30 years worth of bonds and then basically spend the interest and principal. One of the challenging things of that today is the low interest rate environment. And so we see a lot more people looking at some annuities as an alternative to the bonds today, like a single premium immediate annuity, which basically just acts as a pension. The benefit there is that you would have to use maybe in some cases half the amount of money needed to make that steady income stream as you would compare to a bond today, just due to the low interest rate environment. But it's a, it's a process that we, we would go through with the client to figure out what makes the most sense for them. And if they don't want a bond ladder and they want to use more of a diversified mix, we might make just more of a conservative allocation, you know, like a, a 40, 60 or, or 20, 80, that's 20% stock, 80% bonds or 40% stock, eight, uh, 60% bonds, just to be more conservative, more predictable to supplement the difference of what those guaranteed sources aren't uh, meeting. So that's, that's typically what we do for the first step of for the needs category. There's a lot, obviously, that goes into this, and this is a very important part of the pyramid. It's the foundation, and this is the part that you have to make sure you have covered in retirement. Where do you see most people when they come in uh, and meet with you with that base? Are they in pretty good position for that foundation already, or have they not, not even really gotten to that point? I think it's less of a question of, most of the time, do they have enough money to make it work? That That's usually not the issue. It's just really that they're coming to you with all these different asset sources, right? From Social Security, they scattered assets from over what they've done over the last 30 years, 401ks, IRA, rollovers, Roths, and savings, emergency funds, maybe a pension and uh, an annuity or, or real estate. And they're like, how do I put this all together to give me the best lifestyle that I can have a predictable, basically paycheck to live my life at the most tax efficient way to do it. And so it's really more of a shifting or figuring out which sources and how to turn them on and when to turn them on type of process that we're helping. And and then also just going through what they currently have, how well it's working, and is there a better vehicle that will get them there? So some people have been investing the same mutual funds in their 401k the same way. It might be time to change that allocation. Um, they might have bought some type of Annuity in the past, it makes no sense for them today. And it's just, you know, maybe saying there's probably a better avenue for this. And then talking to them about their social security timing strategy, what they had in mind. And where we talked to somebody yesterday, they were planning to take it at 62. They're retiring at 55. So they, but mathematically, it makes more sense to actually delay it further. So it's just going through that conversation. It's less of a, do I have enough? And more about how do I get the most efficiency out of it. I mean, just for example, Social Security, you could have over a $100,000 swing on one spouse's Social Security decision when you look at it over a 30-year cycle. And if, if you're talking about two, now you're talking probably a potential $200,000 for maybe making the wrong decision there. And so it's just decisions like that the pension and everything else that really can add up to making a big difference over 30 years. All right, let's, let's move up the pyramid a little bit as we talked about the, the needs primarily first, 
Let's go to the wants. Um, what kind of falls in this category and, and what, are you, what are you doing here from a planning perspective? Right. So for people who are really well off or have lower budgets and stuff, there might not be that much in the want category because everything can really be taken care of, of in the previous area, in the needs category. But a lot of times today with the fact that most people don't have pensions, uh, the fact that the individuals being put all the responsibility on the, on the backs of them to be financially independent because they don't have a pension and a company that's helping to save from, they have to make sure that they've done enough stuff uh, to put them in a good position. A lot of times people are maybe can be stretching their budgets a little bit or putting a lot of pressure on their investment portfolio. So what we essentially do is make this once category discretionary bucket, if you will. And we kind of put some of the expenses in there. So if we were to say, you know, big vacations, charitable contributions, and helping out uh, the grandchildren with education, as a want category, we kind of give an estimate of what that can typically cost on a typical year. And we earmark some money of their typically of their investment portfolio into this category. And we we actually might break it out apart from what's helping as a supplement to their needs category if, if we need to use some of their investment account. And we'll say, okay, out of your million dollars, we're going to estimate it could be about $200,000 that we're going to put into this its own account with its own al- allocation. And this is something that you can just spend it down as you want. There can be years where you can use a lot more of it. There's years where you don't have to use any of it. If we have great market returns, it's not going to really matter. But if we have bad market returns, this might be a bucket where you sometimes maybe don't utilize it to its max. And so we'll go through that conversation. And, and this is one of those that can take shape over time. Sometimes people have to get into retirement to kind of feel what it feels like and what that spend looks like to really know. And sometimes it's just an account that might be where they plan to use up a lot more of it in the first 15 years or so uh, where they're going to be a lot more active. So everyone's a little bit different, but that's generally how we would go about it. And then we have wishes as well, kind of the, the top of this, you know, a lot of the aspirational goals that people are shooting for here. Right. And so, again, this can be something like leaving money behind to a charity or leaving money behind to your heirs, a specific amount. And again, this could be something that could be a primary need. But for some people, I know that they want to make sure that they're going to be okay from a retirement standpoint. And they're not necessarily saying there's definitely a goal there to leave behind to somebody, but it would be a nice wish to be able to make that happen. And we can go about that in a a couple different ways. There can be so we have people that are actively doing like Roth conversions um, or have a Roth account already and they start to build that up over time and they say, you know what, I'm going to try to not spend that and leave that to the next generation. Obviously, if I need it for health reasons or because the plan didn't, you know, they're, they're, it's still there for them to spend. There's other people that are a little bit more well off and know that they're never going to spend it. And so they start proactively gifting or putting things into a trust to start to set that up. There's also people that are maybe somewhere in between that decide, you know what, I want to make sure that there is something there. I'm going to buy like a permanent life insurance policy that gives me permission to spend the rest of my money, but I know it costs me 
you know, 400 hours a month to buy this policy that will be there forever, they're going to get, you know, a million bucks that's going to go to them. And now I don't have to worry about if I spend too much or I have some type of long-term care issue or whatever. So those would be some ways. There's also people who are charitably inclined where we'll set up some charitable trust for them where it, it takes care of them their family, and ultimately the remaining amounts pass on to their uh, charity of choice, but they also get some tax benefits for that today or later down the road, depending on how they want to set it up. So that legacy conversation sometimes is just in the beginning more of a, a conversational piece. They want to make sure that they're going to be okay first from a retirement planning standpoint, and then over two, three, or four years, sometimes we start to really build that out as they can now feel good about retirement, or maybe they start to get grandchildren. There's you know different events that happen over time that can give more to that whole wishes category. Well, I think you did a good job kind of breaking this down and kind of explaining how this process works, and hopefully it gives kind of people a clearer picture on, you know, I guess how to prioritize um, their retirement planning and and what you need to do for that. But just some things to think about. And again, go back to our last episode of the podcast and and listen through that discussion about some, you know, some non-financial items and 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 some things that should be thought about ahead of time to kind of understand what lot what what retirement you're living for right now and what you're working towards. So if you haven't done that, make that a priority as well. But you can always get in touch with Anthony. Cardinalwg.com is the website and if you prefer to call him as well, you can do that. 609 609- Three six two five five one two. As we always try to do on the episode, we try to answer a couple of mailbag questions. So we got a couple today that I want to throw your way, Anthony. I'll start off with one from Ben. He says, I've owned my own business for 20 years and I'm thinking about retirement within the next three to four years. Am I better off to try and sell the business or retain ownership and hope my employees can run it effectively without me being there? Uh, that's a great question, Ben. We're actually, we go through that with usually one, maybe two clients every now and then, maybe once a year or every other year or so that are kind of contemplating the same thing. And a lot of those answers are going to be rhetorical, where you are probably going to know whether or not your employees are the right people to kind of keep it running, uh, or if it just makes sense to go directly to a third party within your industry or a a similar industry that's looking to get into your industry and, and let them just kind of cut you a check. So I think some of the things that you think about is, you know, do you want to stay on board or exit out immediately? And so if you're going to exit out immediately, most of the time the employees are not going to have them funds there to just give you to exit out. They, pro- they haven't been thinking about this or not really groomed for it. And that's probably more so where the a third party would, might make more sense. Now, if you're going to stay on board, and you're okay with that, and be there to train the employees to help make it happen, that's certainly something that might lend itself to make it work, and they can kind of pay you out of the cash flow of the business over uh, a period of time. But it's also now dependent upon their success to be able to continue to pay you. Whereas the third party, they also might want you to stay on board for a little bit of time, and they might, but you might get something in the beginning of a lump sum. You might get something along the way and maybe something on the back end. And it could be a, a one to three year type of you staying on board type of thing. So I, I think some of it you have to kind of figure out what makes the most sense to you of the type of industry that you're in, the future prospects of that business. And 
you know, if you're, if you're going to stay on board, you might be able to milk a little bit higher of a payout for staying involved longer versus somebody just cutting a check and you exiting the doors, you might look, be looking at a little bit lower payout. So those are some of the things that you're going to want to think about and you know, whether or not you want to stay on board and train people and, and stuff like that. Good stuff, Ben. Thanks for that. Again, Anthony works with business owners all the time, so don't hesitate to lean on him for further expertise and assistance on that. All right, about Olivia, she wrote in and said, our long-term care premiums are going up this year and pretty significantly. Should we just pay the extra cost or cancel it and take our chances? Hey, Olivia, great question. This is, you're not the only one out there. There's certainly a lot of people who bought long-term care policies some time ago. Essentially what happened is there was some mispricing and some miscalculation on the amount of people who would be using it as a lot of you know people are having long-term care events and are keeping their coverage and, and using it. So this has put uh, some companies who wrote policies a long time ago in kind of a financial jam. And one of the things that they're able to do with some of the long-term care policies out there, not all of them, but it sounds like one in your case, is raise some of the premiums to help offset that. So you have some options, most likely, that you should be looking at. One of them is that you could just kind of, most of the time, not pay the extra costs and reduce something in your current policy. One of the things that you could reduce is reduce the value of your overall policy. Sometimes that extra cost is due to the fact that your benefit is growing at, say, 3% every year automatically, so you might just have to forego maybe one year's worth of inflation growth on your policy. And that might be very little. Or you might have to reduce it a little bit more, but they can run that type of scenario for you in terms of helping you understand how much would be needed to offset that extra. You can also look at the that inflation rider on your policy if you have one and, and reduce it from 3% to 2 to 1 or to 0. If it's been long enough and you feel it's big enough, Maybe that's something or change the the waiting period. So a waiting period is how many days you have to wait before you can start to use your long-term care policy, 60, 90, 120, 180, 360, or, or some of the main uh, waiting periods. 90 is probably the most common. So you can look at also delaying that out to 180. That would be something that you can look at. And obviously another thing, if you haven't thought about it, is just seeing what else is out there. Uh, you paid into this. You probably have a good price if you've been doing it for a while, but it couldn't hurt just to look at what other alternatives are out there from a pricing standpoint as well. Um, and maybe this is just a one-off thing. Uh, you know, if this is the first time that they've raised it, maybe that's all it will be, and it won't happen again. So those would be kind of some of the things that I would bring to your attention before looking at you know totally canceling it. You can certainly water down the policy a little bit, uh, typically to offset some of those higher costs. Great stuff. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Ben, for the questions. And if you want to send one in to us, just visit the website, cardinalwg.com. You'll see a, a couple of buttons there. Get your free assessment right there on the front. So you want to click that if you actually want to sit down and start talking with Anthony. Also, there is a contact form at the bottom you can fill out as well. That'll get to us. And there's also a podcast link you'll find where it'll take you to all the episodes we've done already with show notes that you can check out there as well. So hopefully this conversation on the hierarchy of needs, the, the needs, wants, and wishes helped you out to kind of envision what's important with retirement planning and how to get that in order. And Anthony, I appreciate you taking us all the way through that today. Thanks a lot, Ben. Have a great turkey day. You as well. 
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.